Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're here with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor. On behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and leaders that set up for you today, we're so glad that you're here, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. If you're here with us as a guest, uh, man, we're honored that you took the chance to come out and visit us and, and see what we're all about. I always invite our guests to come at least three times. Everybody say three times. Here's why, as I know, when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So I want to encourage you, come back at least a couple of times, and hopefully we can be your spiritual family. I also want to welcome everybody watching on Facebook Live. We have hundreds of people who listen on a regular basis and watch us. So if you're watching your PJs or maybe at a different time, so glad that you're with us. Also listening on our podcast as well. If you have Facebook, actually, would you do me a favor? Take out your phone and actually check in and let people know that you're here. One of the ways that we reason we do that is because we've actually seen many great conversations uh, actually happen. People come come to the church simply because they're like, they saw their friend go, and they're like, hey, I wanted to check that place out, and you know, it's kind of someplace new, and then you guys can eat tacos after the end, so it's awesome, and that's kind of the way we do it here. So uh, we are in the middle of a brand new series called a Holiday Survival Guide. We're in part three, and uh, before I get started, we're going to be Matthew chapter 22 today, but before I get started, I wanted to kind of mention, we have a Christmas Eve services coming up in a couple of weeks, and let me just tell you, it's it, just talking with our team and what we got planned for that night, it's going to be an experience you do not want to miss with your family. We have four services over uh, kind of a that Christmas Eve area, and it's 1230, uh, 2, 330, and 5. And so the reason we did that is because we know some people are going out of town, come to the 1230 before, or you want to stay late and kind of come to the evening service, you can come to the 5 o'clock. We're going to have candlelight and cocoa bars and a bunch of free gifts. There's going to be fun stuff and surprises for everybody. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a family service too, so all the kids will be in here, and so it's going to be chaos and wild. It's going to be awesome. So, uh, But we'll get you in and get you out. It'll be a great, great experience. You don't want to miss it. My biggest reason I wanted to bring that up is because this is the time and the season to invite someone to church. Uh, statistics show every statistic you find will actually say, if you want to invite someone to church, bring them on Christmas and Easter. Most of the time, I think it's something like 90% of people will say yes. Now think about that. The person you want to have come and have their life changed for Jesus, has a, they're 90% more likely to say yes on that invitation than any other time in the, the year. So take advantage of it. You have bring invites all over the place. We'll have a bunch of them. There's some on your seats. There's some in the information center. Don't forget to invite someone to church. Everybody say, okay. Everybody say, I got you. All right, Christmas Eve is going to be important. Matthew chapter 22 is where we're going to be. We started off the series talking about how to survive the holidays because as much as the holidays are great, they honestly can be a lot to handle sometimes. And so whether you have family coming over that you don't much care for, or you have to go to holiday parties with people, you already work with them. Like you don't want to spend any more time with them. Now they're making you do it. And uh, so, you know, there's ways you have to kind of live your life. And we start off with week one, talking about judging favorably. And that's really, honestly, the kind of the Christian biblical way of saying, give people the benefit of the doubt, that you would want the benefit of the doubt if they don't know you. And it's easy. How many of y'all know it's easier to criticize than it is to give people the benefit of the doubt, especially if you see something from a distance? Like, I just naturally have a negative outlook on people. I'm like, I think you meant to do that. You know, they didn't mean to do that, but we always think that. But God says judge favorably because it ultimately will help you. The second week, uh, last weekend, Pastor Jason, our executive pastor, uh, preached a great message. How many of y'all thankful for him? He was awesome. And uh, he talked about speaking vitally. Yeah, you can give him a heads up. And, uh, but he really, speaking vitally was about to speak life. Like you and I really control life with our mouths. And some of you don't know that because we're, we're too busy talking down to people and speaking death that you don't realize, man, there's some power in your words. There's power in how you talk. And that in the holiday season, some of the things that you say and not say, can I just say it like that? Some things are better left unsaid. Like, like this is not the time to discuss politics at the tainer table sometimes, right? And so sometimes it's, it's better to speak life and then in death. And then this week, we're going to talk about our third step in the holiday survival guide today. If you're taking notes, the third step is to love wisely. Everybody say love 
wisely. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Matthew chapter 22 today is where we're going to be. Matthew is a gospel in the New Testament. It's a life of Jesus. And in this particular part of Jesus' life, he's speaking and he's doing major things for the gospel and for the kingdom. He's walking around and, and, and you know, healing people and spreading the good news is what he calls it. And, and he gets to a point where um, they, 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 the, the Pharisees or teachers of the law around that time, kind of the most spiritual people, were trying to catch Jesus and, and, and catch him into, and, you know, and how he thinks. And so they ask him, a question about resurrection and, you know, people coming from dead to life. And he doesn't answer the way that they like. He kind of Jesus jukes them a little bit. And then they get together and they have this conversation and they want to ask him like this super question. The point of this question is to try to catch him because they're like trying to catch him like, hey, we want to catch you so we can discredit you. And that's kind of where we pick it up in Matthew chapter 22. And we'll kind of see the discourse. And he asked, they asked him this question. This is their question. They said, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses. And this is important because they want to find out, they want to get, they want to catch Jesus. And his answer was this in verse 37, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. So he's saying like, you got to love God. And then he goes on to say, he said, this is your first and greatest commandment. So that's a pretty good commandment. You know, you're kind of like, okay, I'm trying to make sure you know what your relationship with God is like. And then he goes on, I like what Jesus does. He doesn't stop there. He answers a question they didn't ask. He goes, actually, and the second is equally important to love your neighbor as yourself. I like how he says that in verse 40, he kind of summarizes the entire law. Everybody say the entire. Yeah, the whole thing. He's saying the whole law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, you and I read that. We now know that he was referencing the Ten Commandments because the first command, first four commandments and the Ten Commandments were about how your relationship is with God. The last six commandments were your relationship with people. He was summarizing the Ten Commandments. He was saying, listen, let me tell you what the commandments are, what the whole thing is all about, loving God right, properly, well, and loving people. Now, we'll flip to John chapter 13, which is another uh, gospel, another life of Jesus. And Jesus not only uh, references the commandments, he actually adds a new commandment. This is kind of an interesting moment where Jesus says, a new commandment I give you. And that's kind of how he starts. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you would love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. So he, he summarizes in Matthew chapter 22 the, the commandments and really summarizes the law to its, to its point because a lot of the Old Testament law was written in a way that treat people the way you want to be treated. Kind of the golden rule, like be nice to people so people would be nice to you. And that makes sense to all of us. But Jesus comes along and he raises the standard. He says, not only do I want you to love people the way that, that, that you want to be loved, but I want you to love people now at my level which is like bigger and more complicated and seems to it's like easier on the outset, but it's really harder in practice. And he, and he goes on to say, by this, which is love, you know, this love, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That there's this part of our lives that you need, you and I need to know. It's not just about loving God if you're a Christian. It's how you love people and how you deal with people, and how you respond to people, especially in the holiday season. So with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I'm so honored to be in your house, Lord, and honored to speak on your behalf. We pray that today, God, no matter what notes that I've prepared, Lord, you have a note and, and a, a, a message for us. You have notes designed to teach us, to show us, to guide us, to grow us. I pray that we would do that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I, uh, when we moved here, my wife and I moved here to San Antonio. We did what most people do when you move to a new area. We started house hunting. Now, how many of you have ever been house hunting before, right? You all know what that's like. It's a long process to purchase a home. And what's interesting about it is you got to do finances and you got to 
you know, you got to figure out all the, you know, the insurances and how can you afford it and where you want to go in the, in, the, in the city, you know, and you start thinking about things like districts for your kids, you know, is it in a good school district? What class am I going to? You start checking the ratings of the schools and then you start looking at your houses and you're like, do I want a three bedroom? I want a four bedroom. I want a two bedroom. If you're in my position where you have like a thousand kids, you're like, where can I find a, you know, a gigantic just room, you know, so I can just get away with them, for, get away from them from, for a while. And so, you know, you're, you're looking at how all these things work out? Is it a corner lot? Is it, is, it, is it in the middle of a cul-de-sac? You know, you're trying to find out, is it a two-story? Is it a one-story? But one of the main characteristics and how I purchased at this house this last time was I did something kind of unique and weird. Now, I'm not, I'm not, most people probably wouldn't say that I'm a normal person, but this is kind of odd. And I'm just going to confess to you what I did. And some of you probably did this, even if you don't admit it. Uh, I went to a house and their current house that we're in. I, we went in it. My wife liked it. It was nice. We're like, oh, this is cool. We looked at everything. It's like it fit all of our, our criteria you know, so, but I, I had this interesting way I wanted to look and whether I wanted to move. I stepped out of the house into the backyard and I went to the neighbor's uh, fences and I did what only creepy people do. I got up on my tippy toes and I tried to see over my neighbor's fence because I was trying to figure out who my neighbors were. Now, how many of y'all know, like, there's a statement that's saying you can change a lot in your house, but you can't change your neighbors, right? And so I wanted to know if they were weird or not. Like, I wanted to know who I'm going to, like, I'm about to buy a house, and if I'm going to buy a house, like, am I going to start getting, because there's categories of weird neighbors, right? Like, there's the, there's the uh, crazy cat lady, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? There's, like, crazy cat, you know, all animals, they got dogs, they got cats, they got iguanas, they got, you know, fishes and, and ducks and birds, and, like, there's just all of a sudden, it's like you're next to a zoo, and it's, they bark all night long. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? And you don't want to be next to that person because it'll drive you crazy. There's, uh, you know, crazy country hillbilly guy, right, who's, like, always, like, working on something. The car's in the front yard on blocks, right? He's halfway done painting his house, halfway done painting the car, halfway done. The garage is everywhere. There's trash all the time. You're like, what's going on? Like, can you finish one thing? And he's out in the, you know, in his backyard, you know, no shirt on. It's kind of odd. It's weird. You don't want to see that. Um, you know, there's an, uh, crazy party people, right? How many of y'all live next to party people? And just like, it drives you crazy, right? Like you don't want to be next to the people who are dancing the night away at two 30 in the morning, right? You want to go to sleep. You don't want to hear their music. You don't want to hear, you know, people screaming and partying and, you know, they're doing you know, what God knows what at God knows with, with God knows who at, at a, crazy hour. I just knew that no matter what my life was going to be around, I wanted to be sure that I, I knew who I was going to have in my life. And what's interesting about life when it comes to the Bible is that, that I've had this tension whenever I read scriptures like love people as I would love them. And I always go to this idea because I'm like, well, Jesus, I'm not you. How do I love them the way you would love them? As a matter of fact, I don't even really want to love them the way I would love them. They're kind of weird. I don't, and, and what's funny is, is most of those neighbors kind of symbolize a lot of our family members that we don't like, a lot of friends that we don't like, like people we're forced into connecting with in the holiday season we don't like. Like, how do I love people who are unlovable? Like, is it just me? Do, am I the only one to ask that question? Come on, come on, like, right? Like, some of you have anxiety right now for the people who are going to be in your house in two weeks. And some of you are like, I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me, Pastor. Now I'm stressed. And, and there's a real tension in knowing how to love people who are truly unlovable. And the problem, here's why, here's why this is important, is if you and I don't know how to answer this question right, you and I could get hurt. 
Uh, you've met people who, who've gotten hurt by this. I'll give you the cycle that kind of normally ha- ha- happens. This is kind of how it works. God says, love people, right? So we all agree. Jesus wants us to love people. Well, then we, quote unquote, love them in whatever way we want. We give them access to our life. We love them. We, we, we get a part of their life. We do all the things. And then we get hurt, right? Because people are hurtful and people do crazy things and they hurt people. And then what happens is, is we relate their hurt to God. It's because God told us to love them is why we got hurt. And so now it's God's fault. And so you and I maybe have, you might be in here right now struggling with that. You, you feel like God told you to love someone and they, then you you did, and then you got hurt. And now you got a little problem with God or, you know, someone, right? It's not you or it's another church, somebody else, you know, that had this happen to them where they love people in the name of God. And then when they got hurt, they blamed God because the, you were like, God, you told me to love him. And now I got hurt. And if you're not careful, and if you don't really understand what love means in the Bible, what God meant by that, you could get hurt. The reason we get hurt is because we misunderstand relationship and love all the time. We think they're the same thing. When God told us to love people, we think God, okay, love means relationship. Love means access. Love means I need to let them in my life and it'd be all good. And then whatever comes of it, comes of it. But that's not true. Love does not always mean relationship. Unconditional love, the love that God told us to do with people, does not always mean unconditional access. And because we get that messed up and mistake, you know, we have mistakes with that sometimes, we can really get ourselves into some trouble. We let the wrong people in at the wrong time in our life. And some of us have lived with you live right now with with really the shrapnel of all the issues that happened when you let some the wrong person in all in the name of love. In fact, when Jesus was speaking there, he was the word love. There was agapeo. It's not agape. I know you most you know, well know what that means. But agapeo had a different language when he was talking about when it meant to love people in the Greek. They're meant to prefer or to wish them well, as Christ did. Like you can have this ability to love people, but not actually let them into your life. And some people don't realize that that's okay. In fact, you probably struggle with that because grandma told you something opposite. Or Disney, you know, it's funny. Disney teaches us something opposite. Culture teaches us something opposite. Everywhere you go, you think in order. And we think in order to love people the right way, we got to give them unconditional access to our life. And that's just not true. So the question that it arises in our life and what it brings to us is how do you really love people who are unlovable? How do I do what Jesus told me to do? Jesus told me, it was clear as crystal, we all agree. Jesus said, love as I would love them. How do we do that? And the, the way we do that, biblically speaking, is that we, we live in the tension of love and relationship. And it's a tension. Healthy relationships aren't a problem to solve. They're a tension to manage. It's not like it's not like you have to it's not something you have to figure out and stand with. It's that every person you meet, there's going to be a moment where you have to be artistic and be wise and love them in a way that is helpful for them and healthy for for you. And the way we do that in Scripture, here's the answer to the question. The way we do that, the way that we see that in Scripture is through this word called boundaries. It's this word called boundaries. Now, for some of you in here, you don't know what that means at all. I'll go back to like my, my, my uh, when I was um, buying a house. I've noticed one thing really cool. You know what a really neat thing about my home? There's a really neat thing that surrounds my home at my house. It's called a fence. Now, I'm, I lived in St. Louis for a while. Other parts of the country, I don't know if you know this, they have neighborhoods they put together without fences. That's demonic, Right? Like, that makes no sense. I used to live in California. If we had no fences, we would have nothing in our yard. People just walk up. They're like, oh, 
we got a new barbecue grill, Martha, and they just take it over to their house. And Texas has got it right. They figured out, like, hey, I don't trust nobody around here. I need a fence. Like, you need to know where your property ends and mine starts, right? This is mine, right? And that's yours. And so, like, at my house, there's a fence. But what's interesting about my fence is it's a boundary, not a barrier. And there's something there. So some of us live our life. Let's just say our house was our life. Some of us live our life without a fence. There's, you have unlimited access. Somebody can come up and say something simple and nice to you. You have nice hair. And you act like, man, we're, come in. Come in. It's time. Let's be in relationship. Let's walk out. Let's hang out together. Let's do You never, you have no conditions of relationship. On the flip side, some of you in here, there, you don't have a fence. You have a barrier. You have a wall. It's a cinder block concrete wall, 20 feet high. Ain't nobody getting in and ain't nobody coming out. You're in prison. And so the question inevitably asks, like, well, so then which one is right? Neither. I think the tension that you and I have to balance is having a, bear, a, a boundary, which is a fence. And I've noticed with my fence, there's a gate. And I can open the gate. And I can close it. I can decide who's coming in and who isn't. Boundaries are simply this. I'll give you an example. So what's a boundary? I'll give you an example for your lives. We're talking relationally, right? We're talking about holidays. I'm talking about how to make it through the holidays because this is, can be an interesting thing when it comes to family and friends and people who are going to be in your life. And you right now, some of us in here right now are unnecessarily stressed and unhealthy for no reason other than you just don't have a boundary about your life and your family. Here's what a boundary is. A boundary is simply this. It's a predetermined, uh, our predetermined conditions that help us determine what is and what isn't. They're predetermined conditions that decide what's coming in and what's not. What are you allowing in your life and what you're not allowing? What you're going to say, what are you going to let be said to you and what you're not going to be, come on. Who's going to come and be a part of your life? Who's going to be around you during the holiday season? They're predetermined conditions. So I'm going to give you a couple of highlights about this statement. Number one, they're predetermined. Ever say predetermined. They're pre-established, which means they are determined ahead of time. Now, I've just noticed that these things are better done ahead of time, and they're harder in the moment. When you wait, if you wait relationally to determine what they are, if you wait relationally until the moment, you're, 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 you're already off on a bad foot. There's some things you need to get done before the moment comes so that you're ready when it comes. I, I'll give you an example. So, like, with, with like, our, our family finances, I've noticed that, you know what a budget is? A budget is a boundary. You're like, what's a budget? Oh, okay. <laughs> that was, a budget is a, is a predetermined way that you've established where your money, you're telling your money where it's going before it gets there. So, it's ahead of time, Right? I, I've never met a financially successful person that doesn't know what a budget is. Why? Because they have determined ahead of time where their money's going, what's coming in, what's going out, what's going to happen with it before it gets here. We want to know why? Because emotion and condition always cloud your judgment. I'll give you an example. I was walking 
in the mall the other day, and I, uh, I walked into just a glorious store, and I won't tell you what it is, but it rhymes with uh, Snapple, and, and so I walk into the store, I walk in, it's amazing, I'm like, my people, you know, and it's cool if you have Android, you know, we pray for you after, and so like, you know, I'm saying, so I walk in, and I'm like, hey, like, hey guys, you know, they all know my name, what's up, Aaron, I'm like, yo, you know, so we're friends, and so I'm like walking in, and I've noticed that they, Apple came out with a new set of, of headphones, they're called AirPod Pros, and I walk in with my wife, and I'm like, babe, like, obviously, this is God. I need it. Like, why would I walk in here? They're ready for me. They know my name. They're displayed ready for me. Like, babe, like, I'm going to go get them. And I start walking towards it, and I feel a tug on my shirt. She goes, no, you ain't. I said, what are you talking about? I want to go. She, she, goes, she goes, no, it's not in our budget. I go, what's a budget? I, I don't even know what that means. My, my emotions have clouded my judgment. I'm, all I want is this. I just want that AirPod Pro. Like, why can't I have it? She goes, we've, not pre- we've already told our money where it's going. We've already said that we don't have, we, we, there's not in room in the budget for that. But, you know, we'll save and we'll put that together and then we'll be able to do that. Now, now, listen, some of you in here don't even know what a budget is. So you live unhealthy with your finances. And so when something comes out like that, you just get it and you don't even know what it means. You're like, what? Oh, yeah. And then we live in financial ruin, right? So in our relationships, the same way. If you haven't predetermined ahead of time before that really cute guy comes up to you and he asks you on a date and he looks into your eyes and you go, you're dreamy. If you haven't determined ahead of time, it's really hard to do it in the moment right? Somebody comes up and wants to be a part of your life or some, I mean, it doesn't, whatever, if it's a family member. And if you haven't determined ahead of time, you're in trouble. Second one is just their conditions. You know what conditions really are? Conditions really are things that must be accomplished, right? Conditions are things that must be accomplished before we, we, we move forward. Like, and some of us have no conditions to relationship with you. Your conditions. So actually there are conditions. The only condition that you have is that they're breathing, they're alive. Oh, you're alive? Come hang out. Oh, you're alive? Come on in. Oh, you're alive? My door's wide open. And, and if you're not careful, if you haven't established like things that must be determined, you can live unhealthy. This last Thanksgiving, I, um, I deep fried a turkey. Has anybody ever done that before? Raise your hand if you've never done I mean, listen, if you haven't deep fried a turkey, you haven't lived. Like, it's, it's amazing. And honestly, most things deep fried, you can deep fried a brick. It could probably taste good. I, I'm just, but like, this is really good, right? So we deep fry this turkey. And I did really, really well because I'm like, I'm an amazing cook. And so anyway, so like, babe, sh-. and so like I cook. And so like I, I'm just, I, I deep fry this turkey and I'm deep frying it. It's really, really good. And But before I deep fried this turkey, I looked at the instructions. What was interesting about the instructions is it said it had this big, giant, in bold letters, caution. Do not eat until the turkey is at a certain temperature, right? Now, why would they say that? Why, why, why couldn't I just take it out of the package from the fridge and start carving that bad boy up, eat it raw? Why, I, I would get sick, right? That there were, the, the, the people who sold me the turkey gave me clear instructions. There's conditions on how you partake of this situation. And if you don't, if it doesn't meet those conditions, don't do it because you'll get sick. Now, some of us with our relationships, because we have no conditions, you're walking around sick and unhealthy. You, you have put no conditions on being in relationship with you. You think God said love, which means don't have any conditions. So unconditional love means unconditional access. That's not true. And if you're not careful and you don't predetermine your conditions, the things that must be accomplished before we go into relationship, you're going to walk around unhealthy a lot of time. 
You could really get in some trouble. And so Jesus shows us in Scripture by you. They're biblical. That's the third thing about these things. They're biblical. This is a Bible thing. I'm like on a mission today. I'm trying to convince you that, that there, because there's a Christian misnomer in the world that like if you really are a Christian, then you'll let everyone into your life. And that's not true. I'm going to show it to you biblically. There's three, three scriptures I want to show you just, just real quick, just to highlight, just to give you an overview of, of, of a biblical mandate for boundaries. So the first one is in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, above all else. Now, anytime the Bible says that, you need to pay attention, okay? Because like the wisest man who is to have ever lived on this earth wrote this book. There's 31 chapters. There's wisdom. It's literally called a wisdom book. It's a book of wisdom. But in the wisdom, he says, this is a really important piece you need to catch. If you don't do anything else, above all else, guard your heart. Everybody say guard. This is important. Guarding is a form of boundary. It's saying don't allow everything to come in it. So some of us love people, and you're like, why? In order for me to love people, I just I don't have to have any boundaries or any guard. That's not true. The theory is, is here is put a boundary around your heart. Put something around your life so that you can be healthy. I'll give you another one. This is, this is, this, this is, this is another one. This is Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. It says, blessed. Ever say blessed. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked. Blessed or happy or like, hey, somebody who is blessed will actually put a boundary around you and what you do and where you go so that you are not around too many wicked people that hurt you. That you and I should, the wisest people, the blessed people, the one who are ha- the people who are happiest know how to use boundaries. I'll give you one more. It's found in Titus. This is really important. This is Titus chapter 3. Warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. It's almost like a reference to what we talked about in week one, right? It was like, hey, judge favorably. Like, hey, warn people. Like, hey, you know what? We don't really talk like that at, at our home. Hey, you know what? If you're going to be around me, I'm just telling you, like, I need you to make an adjustment. I love you. But like, you know, you, mm, when you do that around my kids, when you say that around my life, when you do that, when you say that to me, when you drop that guilt trip, when you tell me things like that, hey, when you do that, it causes division. Hey, grandma, like, I know you like your, your glasses of wine, but at five, we probably need to stop you because you start calling people names and you start bringing up politics. So like we're trying not to divide the table right now. Uh, we love you, but like we need you to make a change here, right? So I'm going to warn I'm, What are you doing? You're warning them, right? Hey, I want to help you. I'm believing the best for you. Warning not necessarily mean like, hey, you better do this or else, yo. That's not what that means. He's just saying, hey, listen, like I'm just telling you, we're not like, we're about unity here. And then it says, after you've warned them and helped them and judged them favorably, have you given them everything you could? After that, have nothing to do with them. It does not say, hey, after that, keep going, let them in your life, get hurt as much as you possibly can, become a Christian doormat. That's the Christian thing to do. And some of us, you give people a free pass to hurt you in the name of God, and he's not asking you to do that. Some of us have walked through some of the most amazing abuse in the world simply because you feel guilty or you feel like it's not Christian. It's not true. Jesus shows us how to do this. Jesus, how do you have a boundary? If this is true, if we need boundaries, then then how do you have it? The way you have it is you live vision-driven and not needs-driven. Jesus shows us this. You live vision-driven. You got to have a vision for your life. You can't chase every need. You are not the savior of everyone in your life. That seat's taken. 
And he's good at it. Let Jesus be the Savior of your family, of your mama, of your daddy, of your aunt, of your sister, of your cousin, of your brother, of your friend, of your coworker, of your neighbor. You are not their Savior. They don't, you, they don't need you. They need Jesus. What, what they need from you is for you to be a friend who has conditions and boundaries around their life so that they know they can't abuse you. Come on. And you don't take it in the name of God. So Jesus shows us this. He was vision-driven. Mark chapter 1. If you might never read this, this is an, another gospel where Jesus, the Bible is telling us a story where Jesus is healing people and he's changing lives. He's creating a movement already. Mark chapter 1. And in verse 35, it sets the setting for something that you and I might make a mistake on. This is what happens, Mark chapter 1. Before the daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray, which is important because you need to know he separated himself from people. And he says this later, Simon and the others went to him. So the disciples go to him and they're like, hey, this is what they say. They say, when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Jesus, you're on. You're needed. They're all here for you. Lots of need out there. Everybody's hurting. Everybody needs you. Everybody needs healing. Everybody wants something. Everybody have, come on, it's like your time to shine. Let's go, Jesus. It's time to go. And then Jesus, so that's the setting, okay? Everybody's in need. A lot of hurting people. Here's the setting. This is what he says. Well, we must go. We'll go where? Are we going to go to them? No, no, no. We need to go to the other towns. Because I'm going to preach to them too. That is why I came. Vision. Vision. You see it? Vision. So, 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 so Jesus, wait, wait, Jesus, Jesus, you're Jesus, right? Jesus, there's a need. You're supposed to be the Jesus that we, like the one that carries the lamb and like has the Birkenstocks and the flowing hair and like wears the dress and he's got a really great tan. Like, I don't understand Jesus. Like you're supposed to go meet the need. This does not fit my Hallmark card. There's a need and you're, you're it's over here, but you're saying you want to go over here. Yep. It's a vision. I'm vision driven. I got a vision. It's something I got to go do. And here's the funny thing about most people. No one would argue whether or not Jesus loved those people. You can't argue that. He's God. He loves everyone. He loves them more than you and I would ever love them. So he loved them, yet, yet access was limited. Because he had a boundary based on a vision. Come on, this is, this is important for some people in here. I know I'm wrecking some of your theology. I'm messing with you and your family. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I say that, what's going to happen? I'm just telling you, too many people in our life, in our lives are hurting us unnecessarily. Because you have not, and we have not established a boundary on by which relationship happens. Jesus showed us the best thing, the most healthy way to live with people. The most healthy way to live with others is to do it with boundaries. That's the way you love people fully and wisely. That's how you love people fully. That's how you accomplish the disciple. What Jesus was telling people, how you accomplish that commandment, that's how you do it. You, 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 you put a boundary up so you can love them healthy and wisely. So the conclusion that you and I have to come to inevitably is that if Jesus had boundaries, so can I. Okay, if Jesus had boundaries, so can I. It's not always good to like live by like, you ever hear this like, well, if it's in the Bible, we sh you can do it. Uh, there's a lot of things in the Bible you should not do, okay? 
but, but it's pretty cool when you can say, if Jesus did it, we should do it. Jesus modeled it for us. He said, no, 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 you, you can love people and not give them unconditional access to your life. In fact, you should live with boundaries that are determined and based on vision so that you can make the right things. If Jesus rested, then I can. If Jesus separated, then I can. If Jesus said no, which I know some of you have never even heard that word in your life. If Jesus said no, you can say no. What, I, what Jesus said was, he, this is what he said. This is in summary what he said. He told the disciples, I love you. I love them. I, I, love, I love you. But no, I have a purpose. Come on. Come on. We're all going to say that together. We're going to put it up on the screens here, and we're going to put it all together. Everybody say, I love you. No, come on like you got Red Bull, and you're happy to be in church, and you're ready for Santa to come down the chimney and get your gifts. All right, here we go. Everybody say, I love you. But no. Come on, say it with some attitude. You got to say no like you got some attitude, and you say, but no. That's it? Come on, some of y'all have better attitude in here. Y'all email me before. All right, so say, but no. All right, but no, because I have a purpose. Let's say it again. Say, I love you, but no, because I got a purpose. Yeah, yeah, let's say just one more time because it's fun. Say, I love you, but no, because I got a purpose. You're going to survive the holidays this year. I'm telling you, number three, you're going to need it to love people wisely. You got to learn to say, I love you, but no, because I got a purpose. Because in order for me to love wisely, I want to do it the way Jesus did it. That's my prayer for you today in Jesus' name.